Welcome to the Falling Skies cast, the first podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. To the Fallen Skies cast. I am Jimmy and Georgia, your host, and today I am all alone, no one here beside me. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm here again all alone. Uh, Emmy is at work late yet again. But anyway, we're going to move forward with another episode of the Falling Skies cast, the first podcast dedicated to Fallen Skies on TNT, while I use my fake radio voice. 104 degrees here at the station. Literally, uh, when I was in my car on the way home a few minutes ago, 104, it was 105, uh, not too long before that. So, good stuff. It's a heater out there, folks. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We're not old people. It is time to talk about Fallen Skies. And first up this week is something we like to do, and that is the Falling Skies News. From the Falling Skies Cast Studios, it's the Falling Skies News with Jimmy and Emmy. All right, well, it's time for the Falling Skies News. And first of all, we want to just say congratulations to the Falling Skies guys and gals for a great showing in the ratings this last Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It went up to 4.3 million viewers and increased to 1.4, wait, I think it was 1.5 million in the 18 to 49 category, which were the highest live ratings since the premiere episode so good stuff all around there as we move forward into the finale and um sunday's episode definitely was a good one so i think those ratings are definitely deserved um in addition to that falling skies news i guess the big news now is sunday is our two-hour season finale with two episodes back to back we'll have some more information about those episode titles and official descriptions at the end of our broadcast in our slight spoiler section that we like to do and we're going to jump into our next segment. It's time for the Pope Quote of the Week. That we like. I hope you like it. And if you don't, please let us know. Or even send in your suggestions. Like, we pick our favorite Pope Quote of the Week. And maybe you have one that you like better. If we, you know, if we hear our Pope Quote of the Week, you're like, man, they should have picked this one. Tell us. Um, <laughs> we could put it up to a vote. Or something. But anyway, this week's Pope Quote of the Week comes from near the early part of the episode where Porter is introduced to Pope. And uh, we're just going to play that little exchange here for you for the Pope Quote of the Week. Name's Pope. You must be Porter. I'd stand and salute, but. Uh, Isn't he the ex con that fired on your unit? That is so three weeks ago. All right, well, it's time for our next segment. All right, this week in history, we're going to talk about one main thing with a kind of side note. One point, Ben mentioned something that his dad told him about, which is a big surprise. He he mentioned something about Ricky having a thousand-yard stare, and that actually is a term that was first derived the World War II era. Time magazine had a picture of a, a soldier, I think it was a Marine, and they actually called it a 2,000-yard stare, but it really is the same thing. Basically, it's kind of describing... Something like post-traumatic stress disorder, and you know, something being uh, war-weary, battle shock. I mean, there's all sorts of different little uh, things people might call it. But just after being, you know, with shock of being this trauma of war, sometimes the distress of the soldiers is is shown in this particular way, where they're just kind of staring off into nowhere. 
But I guess that could happen not only in military stuff, but probably anywhere if it was severe psychological stuff going on in your life. So anyway, that was part of This Week in History. And the other one was another slight little side mention. Tom says um, about the crazy lady that is it a tactic in war to leave a few friendlies behind to gather intel that the conquerors could never get. And part of that... Um, he said she was a watchdog. And it, I, don't know, I was thinking about that, and especially makes sense in the light of what these aliens do, but we're going to hold off talk about that until we get to our uh, Falling Skies 5. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on. So, okay, we're going to jump into probably my favorite part of the podcast. Falling Skies and Pop Culture. All right, we've got several things to get into this week with the Falling Skies and pop culture. And I think all of the ones that I noticed were all from Pope, which is kind of funny since he's kind of our favorite little quotable character anyway. But he mentions at one point, he tells Uncle Scott to take Radio Free Europe out in the hallway while he messes with the mech parts. And uh, Radio Free Europe, if you're not familiar, if you're from Europe, I'm sure you probably are, was actually started back on July 4th, 1950. It went on air basically to broadcast to places where the, there was no free media. It started off with Czechoslovakia and actually broadcast from New York City. Um, and now, here 60-some-odd years later, it reaches 20 million people in 28 languages in 21 countries. And actually, if you want to find out more about Radio Free Europe, you can go to www.referl.org and find out more about theme. Pope again says, the mech parts are a pile of rock'em, sock'em junk, and he wouldn't be surprised if it had a Made in Japan sticker on it, um, which is actually two separate pop culture references in one sentence. But of course, the rock'em, sock'em robots uh, started off with Mark's Toy Company, but now is from Mattel, and there's these two little robots where you kind of have a boxing match between these two little toy robots. And now there's a movie that is, I would have to at least somewhat loosely based on rock'em, sock'em robots called Real Steel, coming out soon with Hugh Jackman and none other than Kate from Lost, Evangeline Lilly. And that movie just looks silly to me. I'm a, I like Hugh Jackman movies generally. He's a good actor, but that one I think I will be passing on. All right, but next up, we have another Pope um, reference. He calls the mechs a Robocop and says their bullets are like tank busters. And actually, a mech is really more like the ED-209 if you want to get into Robocop talk. But just generic Robocop talk is, it first started as an American movie back in 1987. It was set in a future Detroit where crime was horrible. And the RoboCop was a police officer who was murdered and was actually reanimated, if you will, as a superhuman cyborg to fight crime. And after that initial movie, there were television series, animated shows, a miniseries, video games, comic books, and I'm sure at some point a reboot, um, just like everything else from the 80s. It'll be back at some point. But yes, that was the RoboCop. All right. Well, as we mentioned last week, I missed the Falling Skies recap when we didn't go cover that in that one episode. So we're going to go back to that once again, and we're going to jump into that segment right about now. It's time for the Falling Skies recap, part of the show where we recap Falling Skies. All right. Um, at first, we don't know where we are, but soon we find out. We're at Weaver's home. He sees a child's drawing again on the refrigerator this time, 
And it actually says Sophia again, which we've seen before. We mentioned that a few weeks ago in our Fallen Skies recap. But anyway, but also I noticed this as a second viewing that the name Summer was on the next drawing. So I assume if he has $2, those are her name, Sophia and Summer. So throw that in there for you. Maybe you missed that. He walks into the house. He goes into the backyard. He's back home. He thinks his wife is there. But a skitter jumps on top of him as Tom wakes him up. Mason tells him that Colonel Porter has arrived. Hal is out looking for Ben, who's been jumping rope for two hours and 40 minutes using his superhuman skitterness, whatever's going on there with him, um, to do that. And he's kind of awkward about what's going on, and Hal is a little suspicious, it seems. Porter has done a perimeter review and wants to know the status of the second mass. Weaver is apparently having a hard time sleeping, and Porter observes this. Tom and Weaver both think that it's time to move from the school, since their location has been compromised, but Porter says that all reports here in L.A. and Chicago are that the skidders are withdrawing and heading towards the structures over the cities, and Porter wants to take the attack to the skidders in four days. They continue to talk about the upcoming attack. Porter wants Tom to go out on one last scout route for vehicles to move in, and they do mention here that Clayton was not lying about the 7th Mass. It is gone, and they've also lost contact, not necessarily lost the regiments, but they have lost contact with the 4th and the 5th. There's a plan to go in and attack the four legs of those structures, blow them up, um, but they don't have the bombs ready. We see that Pope is recovering, and that's where we get our Pope quote of the week. Pope knows about demolitions, apparently because of his friends. He had interesting friends, and this is where Weaver starts going crazy a little bit. He looks at Ricky's drawing, and I don't know, he kind of questions Anne about this art therapy stuff. He talks to Ricky, doesn't answer him. And then Porter does say he only wants Pope to be a part of the design, not um, be handling the raw materials of the bombs. And Ricky eventually does give Weaver the picture that he drew of Weaver's house. At least that's what Weaver thinks. Weaver is trying to sleep. He gets some more of those pills he's been popping, and he looks at the drawing a little later on, obviously. Matt and Scott are joined by Pope. Pope likes the mech collection that he has, but bashes his explosive formula. Uncle Scott shoots the mech's weapon by accident. It scares off little Matt. Pope says, talk to Deadwood after someone else rushes in hearing the blast. Of course, referring to Uncle Scott. And then Pope wants to work on the hard stuff while he tells him to go out and take Radio Europe into the hallway, which I mentioned earlier. Matt's sitting out in the hallway. Tom gives another dose of fatherly advice. Matt again says he's ready to fight, but he is warned to stay away from Pope. Hal, Di, and Tom are about to go out on their scouting mission, and Tom kind of asks their opinions of what Weaver how his, his actions have been over the last few days. Weaver comes out after eavesdropping on the conversation, relieves Die, and takes his place on the mission, which is probably not the best idea. It's kind of like the old Star Trek where the captain and the first officer both go down on the scouting mission. That's not really not a good thing to do with your two two leaders of your, your group here. The second mass would be in some serious trouble if Tom and Weaver were lost. So not the best plan. But we learn here that Weaver used to have a construction business, and we soon find out that we're going to his old neighborhood. We see Ricky sitting in the infirmary. Ben comes in to see Anne. Anne asks about pain or changes. Ben mentions the other kids from his group. Their spikes were almost all gone. So the other four kids that survived um, are healing, whereas he is not. And we haven't actually seen those other kids. I'm glad they mentioned them here again. I've done this a few times in the show where we kind of go away from something, don't really talk about it, don't really see it, but they do bring it back up, which I think is a good thing. And pokes around this hard area around Ben's little spikes, 
and he looks like a scalpel, and it's not cutting. Like, there's something wrong here. <laughs> she tells him to get to rest. Um, Ricky's hanging out with Anne because his father's dead. And Ben here is where he mentions the thousand-yard stare that his dad told him about. And Anne says that Ricky needs a friend. Hmm. Tom, Hal, and Weaver discuss a structure and what it's made out of and what it might be for. They see that it is made out of scrap metal and, and stuff. Weaver says, again, if we get close enough, we can kill him, which is kind of the theme of the show in a lot of ways. But then we see two really tall gray aliens with kind of weird hands standing over the skitters who appear to be cowering in front of them. A ship flies over, and they go back to the bikes, which was awesome. And we'll talk more about that at the uh, next little segment. Weaver used to drive through this neighborhood every day, he says. Hal speculates about the humanoid aliens. Tom theorizes this might show the chain of command and perhaps... They were hanging back until it was safe. Since this was the first time we've seen them, maybe they think they've already won. And then we, we run into this crazy woman. Um, Weaver takes a leave. The woman shoots at them. She says she's bothered by the human stealing everything. She says she doesn't need any help, but she would talk to them. Sonia is her name. And she says she never left the area. Tom and Hal go in to talk to her in her apartment. But Weaver stays outside to watch. He's still looking at Ricky's drawing, by the way. Pope looks at the plans again. He thinks it's unbelievable. Pope is annoyed by Matt's presence, it seems, and Matt is curious about his knowledge of bombs. Pope warns him about hanging out with him, um, which probably just makes him want to hang out with him more. We get into the talk about Rock and Sogo Robots and Robocop, and then that's when we get the idea. Out of the mouths of babes, old Matt gives Pope an idea, and then we find out what that idea was later on in the episode. Ben offers Ricky some Fruit Loops, and I missed that earlier. Ricky talks to him about how they how they look at them, and they don't understand. Ricky says it doesn't matter. that The Skitters haven't abandoned them. Ben says he hates them. He'd kill them all. Ricky says that they love us and they will come back for us. Hal and Tom are in that crazy lady's house. They have a spot of tea, Governor. Um, she was familiar with her neighbors, apparently, and she misses her kids. She says she was taken to an alien camp but let go. She says that they used harnessed kids to talk to her. She says that they don't want us here. And that's when they hear Weaver take off on the bike after pulling their spark plug. So Tom and Hal... Couldn't follow him, at least not initially. Tom and Hal say they'll tell Sonia they'll come back, since this old lady seems lonely and maybe a little suspicious. Lodgers and Anne go on a secret mission. They go out and do another alien autopsy. Lodgers wasn't um, to the cadaver's level in her medical school training. As they cut in, they find muscles and bones, which is normal. Then Anne cuts a little deeper, and they find a harness. Dun, dun, dun. So maybe they weren't always skitters. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But anyway, we'll talk more about that in the next segment. All right, Tom and Hal find Weaver's bike. Tom says if anything goes wrong, he's got to get back to the second mass with those photos they took of the structure, and I think they snapped a few of those weird aliens possibly as well. We see Sophia Weaver in concrete. Tom enters the house. There's blood on the floor. Weaver's drinking some alcohol and tells Tom about the grill he built. And then he goes on about what happened to his wife, and he is a split. Went on to say that his daughter was kidnapped by the aliens. He was able to bring her back home. And he, we can kind of guess from there. He pulled the, the harness off of her and ended up killing his daughter by trying to save her. His wife and other daughter were in another place. And they got hit by the skitters. And he went to look through the rubble, but he could not find them. Weaver says that he was happy for Tom and Mike when those kids were brought back. And he basically says he's only been living for revenge. And that's not good enough. He's going he's gonna to try to sleep in his own bed that night. He's basically giving up. But then we hear the mech coming down the street. Weaver pretty much orders him to leave. 
you know, this is where he belongs. Tom declines Weaver's orders, and Hal is outside. Tom decides to throw two grenades at the mech while Weaver shoots at it to kind of give him a distraction. And here's when the question comes, did Sonya give them up? And we soon find out, uh, yeah, she's working with him. Um, but anyway, Sonya is talking to a harness kid, and we see that it's Karen. Sonya plays along as Tom, Hal, and Weaver are inside her apartment. We get a close-up look at one of the command alien's eyes and see Karen and it walking down the hallway. Sonya was promised that they would not hurt the three of them. Tom says this was the tactic to leave the friendlies behind. We talked about that a little earlier. And we go back over and we see Anne is looking at some drawings. Loudra says they can't keep this secret to themselves. She says they took off the harness. That should have stopped the process. But Anne also says that they have to tell Tom since he could still lose Ben. Hal says that the first chance he gets, he's going after Karen, one of his many ladies. Hello, ladies. Yes, I am the ladies, ma'am. My name is Hal Mathan. I have some kavati A. <laughs> but anyway, um, Di's going to take the photos to Porter of the creatures, the woman, the structure, all that stuff. But the rest of the personal drama is going to stay between them. Tom isn't going to turn him in. <laughs> Basically, what made him keep going was that he found Linda's glasses there um, at, during the attack. And a week after all this happened, those glasses were not at that home. There is a chance she could be alive, as well as his oldest daughter, who I'm going to say is Summer, based on the drawings on the refrigerator. Linda Weaver and Summer Weaver, possible new characters for Season 2? Perhaps. Anyway, Pope is going to demonstrate his brand new weapon, but first he gives a speech about the war against the aliens. Pope shoots a a weapon at the mech's armor, doesn't do anything. And then he has his mech metal slug that Pope has made for a 45. He gets a 45 from someone. And it just blows a huge hole in the mech's armor right through its head. And then we see Ricky running away. It looks like Ben notices that. Pope is all the hero. Everybody's, you know, cheering and stuff. And Tom's smiling, and Weaver says we're going to take the fight to him. And that's going to get us set up for our two-hour season finale of Season 1 of Falling Skies. And now we're going to get into our next segment of the podcast, which is... The Falling Skies 5. All right, well, if you haven't been listening to the last several weeks of the show, The Falling Skies 5 is where we go in and talk about the five most pivotal moments of an episode and kind of discuss those a little bit, maybe theorize a little here and there. And here we go, number five. Weaver spiraled down and newfound hope. Weaver has just been acting the, the crazy man in this particular episode, and we saw a few episodes back with him popping pills and things. He, Him and Tom keep you know kind of clashing and things. He definitely seems like he's a pretty good soldier for the most part. But something was off, and we finally found out, you know, he's been unable to sleep. I guess he's been having nightmares when he is sleeping. I guess he probably feels guilty about pretty much killing his daughter by trying to save her. Um, And then not being able to find his wife and other daughter, not really knowing, um, not seeing their bodies to me confirm they were dead or whatever. And then as they are in his home and they find those glasses of his wife, Linda, he does believe there's a possibility at least they could be alive, which gives him hope to carry on. He has not had any hope up to this point, and uh, now he has a little bit. So that's good. I mean, hope hope is the thing that, that changes the world in a lot of cases. Um, rising expectations is what leads to revolutions, not hopelessness. So good stuff there. All right, number four. Crazy Lady Sonya is friends with the aliens, and Karen makes her home deliveries. Uh, it's not a, a bad, big a stretch after last week's episode. There was a whole group of humans who have made a deal with the Skitters. We see another lady, so I would assume if, as the story goes on, we're going to probably find 
people scattered throughout here and there, and we're probably going to be less and less likely to trust them, which creates drama, which is good because these people could be our, our buddies, our allies, or they could not be just like Clayton and his gang of people and now this lady, Sonia. So that's good drama. I mean, it's just interesting. I like it. And so that's cool stuff. Anyway, that's going to be number four. Number three, they're going to attack the aliens in four days. Wow. Okay, so I guess three days now after the end of the episode. That's pretty crazy. So I'm assuming, I don't know, um, episode number nine will be that kind of the preparation for the attack. And then the season finale, final hour of the two hours is going to be the actual assault or at least some portion of it. It might not be the whole episode, maybe, you know, half of it or something as they make their way down there. And I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, I do think it's cool that, as we theorized earlier, that they did confirm that the scrap metal the kids were collecting was being used to make these structures, that these structures, as we mentioned in our podcast, that weren't strips, they weren't landed here, they were actually built. That I think this is going to be fun to see how they're going to how they're going to do this. Uh, I mean, we still don't exactly know how all this is going to work as far as what what's the purpose of these structures, what's in there. I mean... Are, is that where the big gray aliens have been hanging out? We don't know. So we do know that the mother ships are gone. So those little ships that we keep seeing flying around, maybe that's their base now. I, who, know, who knows? You know, really, we don't exactly understand how the aliens um, hierarchy works. Like, are the gray aliens the pilots of those ships? I would kind of think so. Or maybe they're you know, robotic like drones, possibly, too. Maybe that's why they're not as advanced and we have these questions or theories of why can't they see the people on the ground blah 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 blah. maybe it's just a computerized thing doing its job maybe it's not really searching for stuff we don't know all right and a big part of this attack next week or next sunday is going to be number two on our list pope was supposed to make bombs but thanks to a little help from matt he started making the mech metal bullets and that's going to change the game A lot. I mean, if he can blow up a mech like that, um, just think what those bullets will do to a skitter or anything else. So that's really cool. I'm excited about that. And I don't know. I mean, that's a game changer for the second mass. They have a chance. Just like Weaver has hope because he thinks his wife could be alive. The fact they actually can legitimately fight back for the first time gives you some hope as far as the resistance here. And I think that's something we miss out on. And I know I've mentioned this before in the podcast. This is a bleak moment in history that they're in in this world that they've created in Falling Skies, but we still need hope. Like, we need that humor, we need that hope, but we also need the bleakness and the darkness, too. And so, I like this ending that, oh, wow, we've got a weapon, we can use it, we can fight, but then we also see Ricky running away. Where's Ricky going? And uh, that, I guess that's going to be grouped under here. I'm assuming Ricky's going to run off and find the nearest skitter and turn himself in and try to to warn them or whatever. So that'll be an interesting uh, thing to see what might happen. And then number one on our list, what I'm calling the command aliens, and you may call them whatever you want to, but they're the tall gray ones who are apparently in control. That was awesome. Have some feedback we're going to get into in a few minutes. One person, I think it was Hoko Boko, if that's how you say it, I'm not, I never know with Twitter names, um, sent a link in, actually sent two messages about, they remind her of, a thing called Slenderman, I think that's what it was. And it's like this urban legend of this weird, elongated, faceless person who shows up at bad, tragic events and things. 
and there's some guy made a kind of a paranormal activity web series a few years ago that really brought some attention to it. But there's been photos, whether or not they're photoshopped or whatever, for years, and apparently stories going back of the Slender Man for hundreds of years or whatever, just like any other folklore. And um, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Makes me wonder if it's over on like a Supernatural episode. I haven't actually watched that yet. I did watch, you know, X-Files, watched a little of Fringe on a lot of it. And I'm like, that would be perfect case for the one of those kind of shows. But, but anyway, thought that was interesting. And I guess the gray alien is kind of the typical alien thing. You know, the gray alien, big eyes, gigantic head. It wasn't quite that model. Kind of reminded me, it reminded me of the, of the cloners on Kamino in Star Wars The Clone Wars a little. Um, didn't have that quite of elongated of a neck, but kind of reminded me of that really tall, kind of thin, kind of a small head. But I don't know. Anyway, that's just a cool development. Uh, I, okay, and then <laughs> part two of this. So we'll just put these two together because this is the other big development. The skitters weren't always skitters. Apparently, these aliens ha- are the are like the Borg, and they go around absorbing new civilizations into them and resistance apparently is futile and in this particular case uh, after a prolonged exposure we can only assume that our humans these youngsters these prime physical specimens you know these not old not too young not too small but like these peak of their lifetime uh, are being used to create this army of of skitters which at first they look like you and they talk like you and then eventually they become something else which is a perfect thing for what he was talking about too in relation with um, Tom talking about the um, the watchdogs gathering intel people you know talk to the hunters kids and things whereas if it was a just a plain old skitter walking up there they wouldn't and same thing where the the hunters kids were using the weapons to shoot and things they've used I mean this has been interesting I think that's probably one of the better parts of the story thus far and so the fact that the skitters weren't always skitters, as far as we know, that's the way it makes it look anyway, um, is pretty interesting. And so can't wait to see how that works out. And with a show like this, I don't see how we're really going to get information about other worlds they've been to. I don't know. It would be interesting. I don't know that we would get that. I mean, just because we're focused on these people and survival and whatnot, I don't know. I don't know how much backstory or fleshing out of the aliens we'll get. I mean, we may get that in coming seasons. I seriously doubt we'll get that next week or this Sunday, but we can only hope, I suppose. I don't know. I am, I just really am curious about what the worlds they've been to, what else they've done, because that would just be fun, interesting information to have. Well, I, I guess that's going to be all for this part of the show. We're going to jump into our Falling Skies feedback, where we'd like to hear from our listeners and interact with you guys in that way all right we're gonna start off with some feedback over on the twitter where we are up to i think 440 followers last count which is amazing so thank you everyone there first off we got several more follow fridays from jewel phoenix love shashel g nz rob fl ezika f schmeiser maybe a few others and then also got some stuff from Brian C. Simmons on Twitter says, please retweet new article for your reasoning pleasure. Would aliens be considered people? So if you're interested in that, go check out Brian's article. I have some uh, thank yous um, back from people. I thank them for Follow Fridays. And uh, Ezekiel said, pleasure. Love Shishel G said, you're so welcome. Falling Skies, Team Laundress. 
Um, NZ Robert Fell said, welcome. Jewel Phoenix says, you're welcome. And then Suki Tech says, seems to be true. All the interviews I've read, the Fallen Skies cast seems very close. A happy group, which is cool. Saturday morning, we had a little conversation over there on the Twitter about uh, Mel Brooks movies, Young Frankenstein, Men in Tights, and Spaceballs, is probably my three favorites, and uh, some other people agreed to that. Thanks to MZ Rob Appel, who gave us some clout over on the clout, if you're familiar with that. Lisa ABT says, hey, where do you find Fall Guys entire panel from San Diego Comic-Con? I sent her a link to those 11 videos posted on our website from Live762 over on YouTube. And then also said that those the audio was also in a podcast episode number 13. We also have a Monday follow Friday from Addy Mike 55 GSAN 1804 says this. I knew there had to be tall grays involved. Oh yeah, I called it about the skitters having transformed from something else. And then also Ho- Hoku Boku, which is the one I mentioned earlier, says the new aliens are incredible. They remind me of Slender Man, but in a good way. I also feel as Ben will struggle strongly with his humanity a while to come. Um, did send us back a a link to more information on Slender Man. Said here's some more information about Slender Man. The new aliens are creepier though. And also we have a couple more things. Drove D O R V says, Am I the only one calling new aliens toothpicks? Rupert Real on the Twitter says yes. Sarah Vandentop says we're following her. That's cool. <laughs> NZ Robafell says, Thanks for helping me get set up. I'm ready to roll for recording calls. And yeah, I helped him with some information about how to do like a phone interview and record that in an easy way um so i did do that for the podcast so i don't i mean i'm no expert but i like i don't mind sharing what information i do have and also lisa abt did respond back to those videos of stuff for comic-con said yay great news thanks one more thing from gsan 1804 food for the resistance free meds for the resistance free bus in a cap and a mex head priceless that was a pretty good one i like that i'm going to retweet that right now and I did. There's more, but that's pretty much what we're going to talk about from the Twitter feedback. I uh, had a few interactions over on Facebook. Nothing quite like we had last week where with several posts about some different things about the show. But uh, we would love for you to be involved there or on Twitter or over on Giggly. You can check into the show. It would be great to you. And as we get here into the waning moments of this episode, we just want to tell you how you can contact us and get involved and um, be a part of the next episode. There's many ways. One of them is go over to Facebook.com, which you're probably already at at some point during the day, and find Falling Skies Cast. You can find us there, Facebook.com slash Falling Skies Cast. And right now we have 92 people who are our friends over there, so we would love to have, have you be one of those or, you know, whatever. That'd be great. And then also find us over on Twitter. We're up to 440 people there, which is great. So thanks again for you guys for following us. And uh, we are the Falling Skies on Twitter, so that's at the Falling Skies if you want to at reply us. You can also email us at fallingskiescast at gmail.com. Go over to our website, fallingskiescast.com. And you can also call into the show. We'd love for you to do that. And that's 773-35-SKIES. We can leave your voicemail and uh, love to hear your thoughts about the show. All right, well, that's going to wrap up another solo edition of the Falling Skies cast for me, Jimmy and Georgia. And hopefully, Emmy will be back next week. I can only hope. And uh, if you stick around after the outro music, we will have our slight spoiler section where we'll talk about next week's, well, it's a few days away, it's not really next week's, but the next episodes, there's two of them, episode titles and official descriptions. So stick around for that, or if not, peace.
All right, and our episode titles for next week and our descriptions. Okay, well, all right. So the first one, as far as I um, know anyway, is called Mutiny, which will be the first of the two-part, two-hour season finale, which is, so the little description is, tensions between Weaver and Tom threaten to tear their group apart on the eve of their attack on the alien base structure. And then the final hour of those two would be called Eight Hours. How Weaver, Pope, and others embark on an ambitious assault. Tom must defend a civilian camp against a surprise attack. Tom encounters an alien being. All right, well, that's going to be this week's little slightly spoiler section. We'll see you next time on the Fallen Skies cast. Peace out. Now we're going to get into the next segment. Mm. And uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this in up. Mm. Pope is going to determine. Mm.